like so. <laughs> Back to another episode of Weird Thing About That, where me and my fellow players are given a subject matter and have to find the weirdest, coolest, or funniest story on that subject. Our stories will be scored by a head judge, and the winner will be revealed at the end of the episode. I'm Chris, and joining me today, having just dried out his soggy wings, it's Chucky. Yo! I'm back off the aura rig. Welcome back, Chow. It's good to have you back. Hello! And of course, our head judge, Joe. Hello! How are we, how are we all? Good. Mm, that's nice, isn't Thanks. it? It's Joe. nice. Good We're all together to again. Back together again. Yeah. Uh, Joe, if we can please have today's subject and how it will be scored, please. Um, today's subject is Germany, and you'll be scored on the usual levels of nonsense of me arbitrarily awarding you points based on things that I like. But the winner will receive the Lieberkasse plaque, which is a German sausage, meaning liver cheese, which contains corned beef, pork, bacon, and onions, and a record-breaking 161.5-metre-long one was made <laughs> uh, in 2016, which was taller than their church (laughs) so i thought that's worthy of a plaque (laughs) yeah and to start with we shall start with chris it's been said that the journey is better than the destination but in this incredible story both the journey and destination proved to be equally wrought with mishap and danger for one brave german Oskar Speck was born in North Germany in 1907 and at the age of 14 left school and started working, just around that time that the sport of kayaking was sweeping through Northern Europe. Oskar purchased himself a popular kayak known as a fault boot to get involved. However, shortly after, the Great Depression hit Germany, leaving Oskar out of work. So, in May 1932, he decided to get in his kayak and have a good paddle out to a place that he had heard had work for some people down the mines, Cyprus. A pretty hefty journey for someone who couldn't even swim. Now, mostly due to him having no sea kayaking experience, he was off to a disastrous start, involving taking on water and nearly colliding with an ocean freighter. But this did not deter him, and after returning to land to make some modifications, including a small sail and some splash guards to stop the water getting in, he was off again. Paddling through the Mediterranean, island hopping around the Greek islands and sticking near to the Turkish coast, he made it to one, in one piece to Cyprus. But upon landing on the shore, he had to make a choice. Did he really want to give up his newfound sense of adventure for a life down the mines? The answer was no, so he hopped in his kayak again and decided to go somewhere even further afield to a new destination, Australia. <laughs> a mere 30,000 miles from his starting point, in an epic journey that would take over 7 years and 4 months. He headed east to Syria, then along the Euphrates River, which was difficult because of the intense heat, lack of food and water, and regularly being shot at by the local inhabitants. <laughs> Just after that, he hit a ferocious storm that shipwrecked him for a week on a small island with his only company being that of a decaying corpse. Not long after this, when stopping in Iran to get a new kayak, he contracted malaria. Still, undeterred and spurred on by a newfound celebrity status that seemed to precede him wherever he landed for food and water, his journey continued, but so did his bad luck. Over the next few years, he was subject to monsoons, shark attacks, and nearly losing his life in Indonesia when a gang of 27 locals severely beat him and tied him up. However, he managed to chew through his constraints and escape in his trusty kayak. Yet through his spirit and strong resolve, he finally reached Australia, at a time when Germany had not got itself in the world's good books. September 1939. Upon landing on Australia's shore, he was met by three police officers who did, Well done fella, you made it, Germany to Australia, in that, pointing to his kayak. But now we've got a piece of bad news for you, you're an enemy alien, and we're going to intern you. He was arrested as a prisoner of war and not released until January 1946 and due to the turmoil of war his his story was nearly forgotten to history. 
It's not all bad news for Oscar though. Four days after being released, he got to the opal mines of Melbourne, became an opal dealer and an Australian citizen. He built a home overlooking the coast, got married and passed away at the ripe old age of 88. Gentlemen, your rebuttals. Gotta be gutted to be thrown in jail for seven years when you've not actually been a German citizen for almost a decade by that point. I mean, Hitler wasn't even, you know, the National Socialist Party wasn't even founded when he left. No, but apparently there was like rumours going around as his journey went on that they already thought he's a Nazi spy and he's going somewhere. Right. (laughs) But he was eight years in the making. (laughs) He was like, just having a paddle, mate. Like He had no involvement in the war. He didn't want anything to do with it. Hitler was playing 4D chess, man. He knew what he was doing. (laughs) 27 people beat the crap out of him and tied him up. With licorice, it would appear. <laughs> it's like, yeah. imagine, like, the only thing I can do is gnaw out of this. And, oh, well, there's my trusty kayak. Let's go. <laughs> I mean, you'd think, you'd just be like, oh, fuck it, wouldn't you? Like, after being shot at and, and Poseidon being annoyed at you as well. <laughs> you do. I mean, Apparently, it's kind of like a Forrest Gump thing. You know where he goes running? Yeah. And people, like, already know he's coming and start joining in and stuff. It became a bit of a thing like that, especially by the time he got to India. Every time he landed, people were giving him money and hmm. all sorts to keep him going. So. I said, as, as if he was a spy, it's not subtle, is it? <laughs> Making world news. And, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's, well, the, the, the job of a spy is to blend in. <laughs> it's like the double bluff, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just having scenes. Do you remember that Daniel Ratcliffe film, that Swiss Army Man? And he had a corpse and it was an island. It was really bizarre. It, you watch the trailer, you went, that looks interesting, but I don't know how it's going to pan out over an hour and a half. It's basically Daniel Ratcliffe played a corp and a guy, and he was just alone on an island, but this corpse was animated to do certain things. Like, that's not a corpse, Chow. That's, that's, <laughs> that's a person. <laughs> <laughs> Although there was that man last week, was it, who took his dead uncle into the post office to try and claim his pension yes. and claimed he <laughs> oh. didn't know he was dead. He died on the way there. He saw a picture of me like, you 100% oh. yeah. yeah. Pants on back to front, wearing shades and a... Yeah, weekend at Bernie's animating That's the corpse. Yeah. He looks like the sort of person who was like, this is a brilliant plan. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody will suspect a thing. But well, that's another thing. So he got shipwrecked. And, yeah. and, and this, where, where did this corpse come from? Don't know. It was already um, already there, mate. The story it was getting like too long, and I was like, to I'm, gonna have to trim, "I'm gonna have to trim some details yeah. out of this, so it's gonna overrun." So, oh, is there uh, Oscar spec? If you want to Google him, there's tons about. It's like stuff I've had to miss out. That's even like more incredible. So, Crikey. his name translates as Oscar Bacon in German. Is it really? Yeah, spec is bacon. Oscar's Oscar. Yeah, that's the first name, isn't it? <laughs> I only know that because of uh, Kummer spec, which means grief bacon, which is eating food when you're sad. <laughs> the fat that you put on because of it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> which is fun. Uh, ciao. Germany has made many valuable contributions to modern culture. Notable inclusions range from the Bauhaus movement to Beethoven and adopting David Hasselhoff on his biggie bombers. Germany has also had considerable culinary influences. The invention of the hamburger can unsurprisingly trace its origins back to Hamburg. Arguably its biggest impact on what the world consumes is that it's on beer. German style beers are some of the most widely consumed and imitated beverages on the planet. And one of the main reasons for this is the Reinhausgebot or the German Purity Laws 1516. Purity law requires that nothing other than barley, water and hops are used to produce beer. Yeast was not originally included as an ingredient, at this time when the law was established, the role of yeast was not properly understood in the brewing process and relied largely on natural yeasts entering during the brewing process. The law was passed in Bavaria by Duke Wilhelm IV. The rationale for reducing the ingredients to an absolute minimum was twofold. One was to ensure that no harmful additives were added to beer, as some unscrupulous innkeepers would often add cheap ingredients to their brews in order to maximise profits. Sometimes 
enzymes at the cost of making the dip beer damaging to health. The second reason was to ensure that the wheat grown and harvested was used to make bread and not beer. This lessened the demand for wheat by brewers, meaning market prices for wheat were such that bread was affordable to most people. The seemingly unintentional, unintentional, but, my, but in my opinion, fantastic consequence of this law was that faced with such a stripped down ingredients list, brewers were forced to focus their efforts on the quality of their ingredients and the nuances of, their, of the beer making processes. The ability to throw in a load of extra ingredients in an effort to mask a subpar brew was no longer available, and so brewers turned to dialing in and perfecting what they could create with just three basic ingredients. The quality assurances that Reinheist Bigot afforded, coupled with the limited ingredients list, ing, limited ingredients list brewers could draw on resulted in the country producing some of the best loved beers in the planet and bet. While the Rheinhausgebot is no longer law, many breweries in Germany and across the world still adhere to it. And whilst the influence of the law could be argued to be waning slightly in modern times, thanks to the rise of American style craft IPAs and the insufferable bellends that drink it, <clears throat> it's still the basis for some of the best selling beers in the world. I'll drink to that. Gentlemen, your rebuttals. Before we continue, just a quick word from our sponsor, Bex. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, uh, I, was, I was just reading today that beer has been found to have been made about 12,000 years ago. Yeah. It's one of the old, apparently it's why we invented agriculture, so we would have a constant stream of grains just for making alcohol before food or anything like that. When was the agricultural revolution? It's probably about 12,000 ago, wasn't it? So we've been brewing since, as soon, uh, well, I'm not surprised, as soon as you had a shitload of wheat lying around, you're going to, A, you're going to try and figure out how to like preserve it, mm. and A, how to turn it and get pissed on. So and A, stands around. But, you, <laughs> but you would, it was also a way of making water that was safe to drink. Because the brewing process kills off, so yeah, it was like it was just the boiling it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so it was the thing of like your beer that you would drink wouldn't be incredibly strong beer. It would just be basically purified water that tasted a bit of beer because they would rebrew the same mash over and over again. So you get like your first pressing, which was like actual good beer that went to the king or the laird or whatever, and then like the shit eighth down the line. Well, the real men drink. Would, yeah. would just be the yeah it was just it was just to keep fluids in your body that weren't going to give you diarrhea hopefully <laughs> well, yeah we've all had a pint like that it's the last one in the barrel and you're like oh, you shouldn't really have yeah. yeah yeah it's great though it's like as soon as humans start assuming proper conscious thought they're just like nope fuck this i'm yeah. getting drunk <laughs> <laughs> what can i do to impair this i do not like this <laughs> there's always been ways throughout history there's always been things that people will do to alter their consciousness. Well, you've got to some remote Amazonian tribe that have been untouched by modern life and guarantee that they're like fermented fucking fruit sat in a corner where they're all going to have some crazy ritual and get fucked up on. Yep. Yeah. There was a guy who did a series about it where he went around these places and like, like what, what, I mean, one of them was like... Is it the guy who had his penis turned inside out? No, I don't remember It was like that. a tribe thing. <laughs> it was and... something like that, yeah, but it was like they would extract um, this thing from ants or something. Yeah, and, and they, they would they like... smoke peyote and go on a spiritual journey and stuff. And then leap yeah. over each other. It was weird, but it was, you know, they haven't got Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> We're just one step away from devolving into that, and that's taken away our Netflix. Welcome. <laughs> and Spotify. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to go into that. Uh, Chucky. All right. Germany is a nation known for a few things. They like their beer, they like their engineering, and don't get me started on their sausages. They're the worst. <laughs> get out. <laughs> it's my house. But one... <laughs> But one trait that seems to be parroted by a lot of people is efficiency, like ruthless efficiency. That efficiency is theorised to have become associated with Germany and particularly from as early as the medieval times, with commercial efficiency being explicitly noteworthy from the manufacturing of highly specialised goods in the Western Rhineland. But if we look a little closer to this day and age, that stereotype seems to be a little lacklustre. I mean the main examples of German efficiency now are things like having portable reusable kitchens or being able to have two levels of flush from a toilet, which I mean is 
isn't awful, but it's not exactly awe-inspiring. In fact, I, as a person who's never visited Germany, though I'd personally love to go, I've only heard things that seem counterintuitive, not efficient. It turns out, a common trope for German language pioneers is to take small sentences that refer to something and simply jam them all together to make some kind of behemoth super word. You'd assume this would be to deal with recurrent, often used phrases, but let me hit you with an example. Betzerg Schornsteinfeigermeister, which of course means district master chimney sweep, which I've used in conversation around eight times just today. But perhaps if you indulge me for one more, Kraftfahrzeug Haflicked Versive Hickerin, which definitely totally means motor vehicle liability insurance. That bad boy was 36 characters. Christ, if, you, if you're 20 characters deep, throw a few fucking spaces in, come on. If we really dig into the zen-like comprehension of what it is to be efficient, though, it's to use the least resources to produce valuable output. I'll try and let 36 characters slide in this case, but something I can't let slide, and something I find particularly weird about Germany, is how divided they are in donuts. <laughs> Depending on where you are in Germany, you'll get a different name for the little balls of fluffy doughy goodness. Some people will tell you that a donut is a Krapfen, others a Fankuchen, and some will even tell you it's a Carnival Kuchen. Because they only ever have them at carnivals. And let's not forget Ich bin ein Berliner, which though in the context used does mean I am a Berliner, could playfully be interpreted as I am a jam donut, as Berliner is a term used explicitly outside of Berlin as another name for a jam donut. Now, it might be my inability to let things go, or to find whimsy and quirks of language, but I find the inability to decide on a term for a donut not only inefficient, but also weird. Gentlemen, your rebuttals. It's better than Americans call them donut holes, which is such a paradox. It's, it's the that they're just is it the tiny wee the balls middle? of the little yeah, Timbit. Um, yeah, the little Timbits here now. Yeah. What's well, that? T- t- so Tim Hortons, not name dropping, but if you want to sponsor, that's fine. No, they have. Oh, not Tim the very one. <laughs> they never answered my complaints. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, they, they've got little Timbits that are essentially donut holes, but like you said, like a hole is a lack of something, not like it'd be a donut ball, yeah. which is a donut. <laughs> it's not like they make the donut fry and then press the middle bit out. They're just wasting tons no. of donut every no. day. It's like. <laughs> it's just pol- recycling the old polo hole. I was going to say, polos <laughs> used to have yeah. uh, the middle holes didn't they yeah by the the, the center of the polos for a while i used to feel special when you found a polo that had the center i've never that i've never come across that no closest i've got is when you open a bag of salt and shake and you get two salt packets in it that's happened <laughs> mom it's happened <laughs> <laughs> everything's coming up mill house <laughs> father's coming home uh, no i like german words because they're always the ones who have like the word that's like like a really obscure feeling yeah, that like, you wouldn't really normally be able to describe, but then they, they just have a word for it. Like the lot. feeling where you're in a warm room and you look outside and it's snowing and it's called like, or something. A lot of other languages have, have that sort of thing. The, the, the English language is sort of missing in that respect. It's, what's the, the French one? Uh, L'Esprit d'Escalier, which is, is, is it the, the thought on the stairs? Which is that really good comeback you think of Too an hour later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Which is a, a brilliant thing. Uh, the Japanese have got a lot of, of the, just these these oddly specific words for yeah, things. It is an efficient language. Like hospital in German is just Krankenhaus, which is, <laughs> which is it's pretty obvious what the what the literal translation of that is. Uh, my friend told me they had uh, when she was younger they had a barbecue with some German exchange students and they had tongs, you know, like for and on the side of it was this big long word and she was like, oh, what does that mean? And he we read it out and he says it basically translates as very long sausage picker uppers. <laughs> Very little, very little. And 
yeah. was like, just call them tongs. Like, but very literal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's still district master chimney sweep. I like carnival cooking. Yeah, yeah. Good. Well, it blew my mind. I worked with a German guy, and he was telling me how, yeah, some people call them, you know, pancakes, which is uh, pankuchen, unsurprisingly, <laughs> I suppose. Uh, and yeah, it was, it's just like, so wait, what, what? I was trying to wrap my head around it, and it stuck with me for several years at this point. <laughs> like, not right. I like. I, I. I mean, I like you. I very much want to go. Germany is my, my number one place to go to because it's got tremendous yeah, architecture like and beer and sausages, and kebabs. Yeah, I can't like, yeah. we have the German I, markets over here. But oh, I hate mate. them. Everyone loves them, and I just don't get it. So uh, I don't want to. Because you're old. No, it's yeah. not. It's been too busy. A couple of times, right. and it's like just you accept go, it. All right. <laughs> you stand outside in the cold. You queue up for about half an hour to get like a five pound sausage. That's literally five pound. God, like two thousand. 18 once their prices back <laughs> more like six pound fifty now yeah but like you look and behind the counter there's like a bag of aldi sausages <laughs> yeah. and it's like oh because i'm at the markets and a, a tiny fucking cup of mulled wine, mulled wine and the bread's idea. always too tiny to actually hold the sausage because they want to accentuate it which you know is kind of a good strategy yeah. you know. so i'd love to actually go to germany and walk around like an authentic a nice little snowy village in bavaria when, or something but uh, the christmas markets over here when, i just don't see when them. i went to bruges uh, they had the christmas markets on there and it was exactly the same tat as they have here, but it was English people running the stalls. So I reckon, I reckon everyone just moves one oh, country to the left. <laughs> like, it was, but there was just this guy going, yeah, I don't like my one to buy this salt and pepper shaker. And I was like, wait a minute, hang on, hang on. This isn't right. I thought they'd have like English markets over there. It's just well, guys like, selling fucking Oranges. <laughs> Two pounds your pair. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was exactly the same tat, though. It's like, it yeah. must be some sort of corporation that owns these things and just sends them out. That's but, absolutely yeah. right, yeah. Probably a company called German Markets Limited. Yeah. <laughs> it's just all the same. But yeah, I'm with you on that. I, I, I despise people at the best of times, let alone having to stand outside. It's, it's when cold. you get the triple pram coming through. And they pretend like they can't see you. They can totally see you, but it's just, yeah. Yeah, I don't like it either. Need stilts to go through that place. So, speaking of sausages, who wins today's plaque of large sausage? <laughs> of cases, that's kind of what it was called. Um, for the sheer idiocy of Mr. Bacon, uh, I'm going to have to give it to you, Chris. Uh, only one, only an insane German man could think, I'm going to use my lack of skills of kayaking and go to Australia. <laughs> just for no reason. Like, he could have fucked about just on the Greek islands, couldn't he? Just sailed around yeah. there, like Somewhere a very nice low-rent pirate. Less with less spiders and stuff. Uh, I, I was genuinely thinking he was going to land in Australia <laughs> and then just get bit and die. Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> Oregon Trail style. Yeah. <laughs> also props to the Australian accent as well. I kind of went. It started, started off strong. It, and then I, I lost my confidence halfway through it. And then I forgot what an Australian accent was. Well, we made it work. You can follow us on Twitter at WeirdThingPod. Come and say hello. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next episode. Weird thing about that. Oh, you ragamuffins. <laughs>